we've got a Spurs fan here, a Manchester United fan here. Neither of them really ever go to watch their teams play live. So this should be a fairly <laughs> even contest. Charles has a better excuse than me, to be fair. Lives a bit further from the stadium. And has children because someone loves him, unlike you. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are the Tottenham Hotspur themed show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Except this week we don't have a Leeds fan called Dave. No, we do have Elio, so fear not. But we have a special surprise guest who I will introduce to you in just a moment. But first of all, speaking of someone who is in no way a surprise, it is Elio. Elio, welcome back to another episode and a happy birthday to you for this weekend. You're a year older, perhaps technically a year wiser, but still supporting Spurs. How's your weekend been? Good weekend. Large parts of it foggy and blurred out <laughs> but can't complain be made to feel special by everybody around me so yeah, yeah what you want out of a birthday really but at least you remember the football right i assume because you have a superpower of course for i remember things. the football of course you do every single minute by minute and joining elio today making his plus dave debut is a man who i've just been informed has listened to every single episode so far and he is the stand-in for dave this week and like dave he is a cynical grumpy football fan who does support a team other than spurs and he does hate spurs much like dave However, that's where the similarities end because he is actually a southerner and he is a supporter of Manchester United. I'd like to introduce a man who has the distinct pleasure of having watched Elio and I play football in real life. And that is Charles Stewart. Charles, welcome to the Plus Dave podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for the intro. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I like being compared to Dave at all. (laughs) I'm not convinced he does hate Spurs. Yeah quite nice to you guys it makes me a bit uncomfortable you know what i actually agree with you i think when we started this the plan was that he was supposed to be the troll he was supposed to wind us up he was supposed to be the richarlison if you will but it's it's the reason i listened (laughs) (laughs) i I imagine you're gonna do a much better job today i feel like this is here dave this is what you should have been doing (laughs) well i don't know he talks about man united so much that i feel like i might spend the episode trolling him instead (laughs) for a bit of revenge yeah exactly definitely rent free in his head aren't they but yeah first episode in the show um how does it feel to be behind the curtain behind the scenes seeing how it's all done it's yeah it's pretty surreal been listening for a while usually in my car long yep. drives and that have you guys keeping me company to now be sat talking to you face to face is pretty strange indeed i even had to watch first <laughs> you've had to actually watch me I'm, i do apologize for yeah. that but but uh, we haven't exactly been champagne football the last couple of matches but i just noticed in the background there you've got a nice framed red shirt there that you're about to tell us the significance of Yes, this signed 99 Champions League final shirt. It's got the Sheringham and Solskjaer signatures on there. Nice Spurs legend on there. Went to the game, you know, enjoyed seeing my team win the Champions League. And that's why Southerners glory up Man United. (laughs) I love how casual you are about that. Yeah, you know, won won the treble. I went to the game. I was there. No big deal. It's nothing. Um, One of my favourite parts about meeting Man United fans around our age is asking their story. uh, In other words, their excuse for why they have a distinctly Southern accent yet support Man United. How do you justify this? Glory hunting. Mm. Sorry, I thought, sorry, you know I what? Said, I respect that. <laughs> I was I was about eight. My dad said, uh, "What football team do you want to support?" And uh, Man United, the top of the league. So yeah. Wow. You know what? I respect your honesty because every other Man United fan for whom that is the actual answer has some story about a great uncle somewhere that came from Manchester. So glad to hear the honesty. 
well, I, maybe I should have pretended. So my dad's from Glasgow and my right. mum is from London. And like halfway, <laughs> so I measured it out. <laughs> Just, I love uh, that. I love that. I mean, Leeds Leeds is probably about the same distance. You could have gone for them. Yeah, but... No, fair Leeds, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, you've had the uh, the horror of watching Elio and I play football. Um, if you had to compare each of us to a real-life footballer, obviously, you wouldn't ever bestow that particular... Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't do that to any real-life footballer. But who would we be closest to? Who would be the best way to describe our abilities, respectively? I mean... <laughs> It feels so harsh. I've not seen Elio in such a long time. So <laughs> I can assure you he hasn't improved, if that's what you're thinking. He's not been sneaking off for training sessions. I literally couldn't compare him to a single footballer. <laughs> there is, there's just, like, you know, Titus Bramble has those moments where he's suddenly awful. Imagine if he lived in that moment his entire football career. <laughs> he could just never escape you mean he those didn't? awful moments. Yeah, well, or, in fact, do you remember when Phil Babb tried to rescue that one where he slid back and he just slid straight onto the post. Oh, with his between box. his legs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like watching Leo play. <laughs> so, so Elio is incomparable. Yeah. We'll just we'll leave it at that, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the best I ever came up with for you was, I think, was uh, Leon Best. Mm. And you were like a, a budget Leon Best. And he was pretty budget at the best of times. So, yeah. Yeah. Moments of sublime skill. Surrounded by an awful lot of uh, other rubbish. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, if, if it's not too bold, and this is probably far too talented a footballer to compare myself to, but I'm sure you'll understand where I'm going. I would like to say I'm along the lines of a Tongi and Dombele in the sense that I'm frustrating because every so often I'll pull out a trick that makes you think I can play football and then spend the rest of the game reminding you that I'm actually out of shape, unfit, and have no work rate and, in fact, terrible at football. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, well. You think yeah. I could be an Ndombele? I mean, I would say that I often thought that your technical moments of genius were an accident, and, and I think that Ndombele <laughs> is better than that. So. You can't prove that they <laughs> were. I might be generous. <laughs> yeah, I can't prove it, but I never really believed you meant much of it. So, of course. Not sure. Of course. Well, look, from watching me and Elliot play football to watching professional footballers play football, specifically the Spurs team, how have you found watching Spurs this year? What you've seen of us, or particularly since Antonio Conte came in? Because, of course, it was that famous game against you guys that, legend has it, was the, the turning point where we hired Conte and you were probably next in line. What do you think of Spurs under Antonio Conte so far? He's done what he needed to do. You're not Spursy. Mm. And you never were going to be under Conte because he's the anti-Spurs. He doesn't throw away leads in silly places when he shouldn't. And, yeah. you know, you guys like to, like West Ham, you have that belief that you should play football and then you sort of, the fans all believe that, um, yeah. that you're a proper footballing team. Entertaining um, football. And, and that's that's what you expect from your team. But um, mm. Conte's a winner and sometimes it's nice to win things. Yeah. So, <laughs> I wouldn't know whether it looks pretty or not. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I I don't think it's necessarily going to look pretty a lot of the time. But mm. you saw it the weekend. Yeah, you win the games and you get three points. Exactly, and that was a great example of it, wasn't it? It wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't champagne football, but it was a well fought, well played out, managed game that on paper looked like quite an easy procession. Two 0 early lead. If you look at it from a distance, you might be mistaken for thinking it was quite comfortable. But Elio, it wasn't that comfortable, was it, from a Spurs fan? perspective it wasn't it was dogged it was a lot of heading balls out it was a lot of backs to the wall but 
Yeah. Not with Forrest really creating any danger. I mean, there was the one sort of chance where Loris had to rush off his line and palm the ball away. But to tell you the truth, it was... Um, mm. I mean, I remember one chance that Forrest had. I think it was Nico Williams. He had a volley or a half volley. He from distance hit the and, Yeah. Oh, no, I was thinking of the one that Loris palmed into the path of one of their runners. But generally, yeah. and I think the XG will probably back this up, Forrest for all their, I guess, territorial dominance didn't actually look like they were going to score whereas we every time we did actually attack them looked like we would which is why we won Mm. the reason we didn't actually win by a more handsome scoreline is because we had some poor decision making in the final third which is usually our biggest strength to tell you the truth so i'm not concerned i mean a lot of people have compared our current start which is a bit stuttery but still winning games to under nuno last year We've scored nine goals in four games. We've conceded three goals in four games. And we've taken 10 as opposed to nine points. And we've Mm. been the better side in terms of chances created and goal scoring opportunities every single time, bar the Chelsea match. Okay, we went away to the team that finished the place above us last season and weren't better than them. Our bogey team at that, yeah. I don't see anything to be concerned by. And like Charles says, it's not always pretty, but... Mm. I also don't think it's ugly winning. I don't think it was ugly winning yesterday because ugly winning to me implies a smash and grab, backs to the wall, yeah. last ditch defending. The Jose masterclass. Not even Jose, a Pulis masterclass where you just <laughs> yeah. you hoof it up to Kenweenie Jones to <laughs> knock Those it down. Those words to, really go together. Well, quite. Uh, to knock it down for, oh, who was that little shit that crocs bell once upon a time? Glenn Whelan, knock it down for him to slide it in at the near post last minute. I know that because they did that to us once after crocking bell. Quite yeah. So it, you know how I hold on to everything. To the grudge, yep. Our goals are all good goals. They're well-worked mm. team goals. They are passing moves. The ball along the ground, slick passing. So that is not ugly winning. That may be non-dominant winning in terms of possession, in terms of territory. But I can't think of us scoring a single goal that wouldn't count as good, attractive football under Antonio Conte. Yeah, and you're not wrong on the XG. The XG was actually 2.57 to 0.9. So yeah, pretty fair results on that. But I find the whole thing really interesting. And it's a discussion that's been brought up a couple of times now. And we talked about it in the group. The stats paint a picture of, obviously, we had the better chances, but they had a bit more of the possession. And crucially, they had twice as many touches in our half as we did in theirs. Okay, they're the home team, fine. They also, in the first half, they turned over the ball in our third eight times. We did it once to them. And you could look at that and think, yeah, we got a bit lucky. They had a lot of the ball. They had a lot of the dominance. But Is there, by any chance, and Charles, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Do you think any of this is by design? Do you think potentially the plan is to let teams come at us and tire themselves out and have a lot of the ball, but we sent out with the instructions of being comfortable out of possession and pick our moments? I'm not saying we're a counter-attack team because we're not exactly a counter-attack team, but do you think any of this pattern that we have actually seen in a few of our games now is deliberate? I thought you guys were totally comfortable from what I saw. Mm. It was really interesting um, reading because I watched the highlights later so I was following the live text and it was all the pundits and everyone going on about how Nottingham Forest were absolutely dominating you and yeah. carving you open and all that and then I watched it and I was like they never looked like scoring no like they were raving about Nico Williams chance but he had two guys three guys closing him down anytime they had a half chance if that it was under pressure you just defended really well and I do think it's by design I think that the first thing that Conti's going to do is set you up with the strong back five mm. and work from there and and that's what he did and that's what he's done pretty much since he's gone in and I think all the stuff about their possession and all of that I think that's about as comfortable as a 2-0 win as you can see he could have been more 
Yeah. Kane could have scored the penalty, Cook could have been sent off, all of that. But yeah, I thought it was um, very comfortable and I thought it was entirely intentional how Conte set it up. And it's not the first time we've seen similar kind of games evolve as they've gone on. And we, we have this habit of starting slow. Every game so far, we've been better in the second half than in the first half. Elliot, do you think there is anything to that? Do you think any of it is, let's let the opposition tire themselves out, let's stay in a lower gear until the second half? Or do you think we've just been rubbish and the manager's been screaming at everyone at half time and said, sort um, this out? Maybe somewhere in between the two. I think there is an element of let's stay in the lower gears as long as we can while another team does all the work for us until we can yeah. take advantage of that situation. Obviously, a big thing with Conte's teams is the level of fitness that they tend to have over their opposition. However, I wouldn't say that this level of underperformance in the first half is by design because, well, Apart from anything else, both Conte and Kane have very much said in the post-matches that we need to play better than this. So uh, Mm. clearly, we do need to play better than this. And ultimately, at some point, if you keep doing, I guess, this kind of rope-a-dope thing, you're going to concede five in the first half against Manchester City. So (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let's not try it against them. Exactly. So I genuinely don't think that we're deliberately being penned in this match early on. I just think that there's largely the same players as last season in the team anyway, Mm. which we knew were good enough to get us to a certain point and no further because they got us to a certain point and no further. I think new signings need to be integrated bit by bit. I think the players, as they get used to what Conte has drilled them in in pre-season in competitive matches now, will also improve with that kind of familiarity and that kind of slickness. And I think we'll see both the same players, but the team with a few different players involved really pressing up through the gears as all of that happens. I mean, Mm. it's almost like we're inconsistent within matches at the moment, which is always a bit of a weird thing to say, but uh, especially when it's this way around, usually a team starts well and finishes badly. But apart from the Southampton game, I think we'd have all liked to see a better Spurs team first half, and I think Conte would have too. Do you think we've got another gear though? Do you think there is clear room for improvement? And do you think you can imagine us actually improving over the next few games with a few Absolutely. tweaks or a few players picking up? Absolutely. Form? I mean, all right, listen, Southampton are going to be fighting relegation this season. They were dreadful, mm. but. Chelsea away, hard game, their cup final, crowd absolutely on our backs. Um, Their players sort of, I mean, that was all their players' best performance of the season from what I've seen of Chelsea so far, to tell you the truth. Um, Then the Wolves game, once again, Wolves are a good side. They're dreadfully unlucky against Newcastle this weekend as well, in my opinion. And they really kind of aggressed us early on. And then in the second half, we ended up deserving the win. Forest, they've spent, uh, have they spent more than anybody apart from Chelsea? Uh, They are at home for the first time in 23 years with an absolutely feral crowd. I imagine the away changing rooms don't lend much to the opposition team either um the, these things do matter and uh, i mean someone like Jurgen klopp will definitely whinge about it when he goes to the city ground i promise you that so <laughs> the change rooms weren't nice enough yeah yeah exactly so i, th- I just think that southampton mm. aside it's been followed up with three actually quite competitive fixtures for a side yep. that is in an element of transition yeah will i be happy if this transition is season long no but do I understand yeah. why this transition might still be there now? Yes, and we're still winning and we're still deserving those wins on the whole as well. And 
We can even look at the fact that a few key players are probably not giving their very best versions yeah. of themselves right now as well. So Heung-Min Son is not currently the player he can be. We know that. He deserves to play his way into form to an extent, but right now he has had a stuttered start. Kane scored a lot of goals and had a few really nice moments, but I think we've yeah. all said he's, he's got another gear. Yeah. He has. He's looked a bit leggy. Mm. Um, he's, he's taken an extra touch, which is not really a very Harry Kane trait. Um, yeah. Two midfielders who finished last season very strongly in Benton and Hoybier aren't quite meshing. They're they're struggling when they're pressed. They're being yep. a little bit sloppy. So th- these are all things that, as the season kicks on, will improve. And I- I'd almost go as far to suggest that because we are such a fitness-focused team and the way we prepare the team for the season... Mm. We probably need a few more competitive fixtures than other teams might. Obviously, Newcastle, for instance, uh, if we're talking about not Manchester City, Liverpool, etc., already look really, really slick. But I think maybe because so much of the way Conte does things is about the fitness of the players, it's about the way he orchestrates in match as well. I think that probably takes a bit more getting used to with competitive football than other team starts. The good thing is we've got 10 points from four games anyway. Imagine what will happen yeah, when we're playing well. exactly. And it's probably worth reiterating. Again, we talked about it last week, but if you compare to the previous fixtures or the respective fixtures last year, we're actually up on all of them. I mean, obviously, Forest weren't in the Premier League last year, but every game we've played so far was a game we lost the respective fixture of last season. And incidentally, our next game, which we'll get on to talk about later against West Ham, is another fixture we lost last season away at West Ham. So if we can get through that with, you know, anything like what we're heading towards, that is really encouraging I know football doesn't exactly work like that and you know we might not go to the Etihad and win this time but we'll see um well look for all the talk about our bad start we did go ahead quite early on so we should probably recognize that and talk about the game itself so Charles let's talk about the opening Spurs goal it looks quite easy to me and um it probably wasn't that easy because these are pretty good footballers in all fairness but what do you make of the goal yeah it was a really good goal uh Son, whilst he's not playing well, he still runs at the back line and scares the living daylights out of them. So Kulisevsky yeah. got on the ball and Son ran at them and all three of their centre-backs just went with him. Have they not been and watching us this year? Space. <laughs> <laughs> and Kulisevsky played a lovely ball across mm. He bowled into the corner. It's a nice goal. He yeah. can't can't say fairer than that, really. It was one of those that was a bit of a miss kick, but the line was good and it almost made it harder to stop because of the bobble, I guess. But, but yeah, can't really complain about that. So the next, I guess, major talking point, I suppose, is, well, the penalty, basically. Harry Kane missed a penalty. I mean, I'm not too worried. He's probably going to score the next one, but, you know, not too much to say about that. Elio, what do you think of the actual incident itself? Because I think the main contentious point is, should it have been a red card? Harry Kane himself said in the interview afterwards, if that's not a denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity, I don't know what is. So he clearly had his opinion. Uh, He obviously backed himself to leap up and head it in. But what do you make of it? (laughs) Exactly what Harry Kane said. Yeah. Exactly what Hurricane said. Charles, was that yeah. was that a red card? It's, yeah, they came up with some tripe about his arm was above his head, so Kane wasn't going to reach it. But Steve Cook hadn't jumped as high as Harry Kane had, mm. so he was going to reach yeah. it. was heading straight for his face. Yeah. And it was, it was less than a yard out. Of course it's a red card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was kind of I, pulling on him a bit as well, wasn't he? I think Kane, yeah, Kane would have definitely, if it wasn't for that challenge. I just, yeah, baffling. 
to be mm. honest, that strange one where you think, not really sure what they're watching if they don't think that he was going to score that. No, exactly. But yeah, so Kane missed a penalty, which is um, a little bit strange. But if you're going to miss a penalty, best to do it in between two other goals from open play in a win where you're one of the better players on the pitch. So we can forgive Harry for that one. And, and let's talk about the, the final goal. We'll, we'll talk about some other moments in the match and some players in particular and their performances. But the last goal, I think, to be honest, both goals kind of looked a little bit easy in isolation, really. They almost looked like Forrest just had stopped playing. It was weird though, wasn't it? Because obviously Sessegnon broke down the left and he put the ball in. And I don't know if you remember this, Elio, but Kane was basically on his knees, just like berating Sessegnon for not passing it to him. Realised that Richarlison had done some brilliant work to get the ball back and suddenly it was like, oh, I better stand up. I might actually get another chance here. Um, what do you think of Richarlison's work in, in that goal? And what do you think of his performance generally, Elio? performance was really good just like it was in his last two substitute appearances his assist was wonderful I yeah. mean should have had an assist if he hadn't dallied as much as he had but the way Richarlison yeah. fought to get the ball back held it up and mm. crossed with the outside of his right boots oh, like lovely. that I mean that is lovely. that is what you want from a Brazilian attacker quite frankly that that was everyone goes on about another that's showboating exactly that is that's showboating that not, not the other incident flair. that we will get onto in just a moment but but just in terms of his performance before we get onto his his, his Richarlison-ness. Delighted, delighted. Yeah. I mean, I think what's impressed me with him since he's come, we all knew he's going to work hard. We all knew he had a lick of pace and that he was going to make a nuisance of himself. I didn't mm. actually realise he was as skillful as he actually is. And that, that's that been a really pleasant surprise. I, even though I don't think it's the same level of skill and it's potentially a tiny bit more aggression, I think he's not that dissimilar to Kulisevsky mm. on the other side. He's got that really kind of lovely combination of power and ability, which I think in this league just really does the trick. I mean, don't get me wrong, we all love our sort of diminutive playmakers, our, our Bernardo, Bernardo and David Silvers actually and mm. um, and so many more but I think we've been reared on so many of these kind of gladiatorial flair players, your Ginolas, your Cristiano Ronaldo's obviously, your Tino Esprias back in the day, like the, these mm. players that are absolute warriors but also have got the skill to do what other players can't and, and I absolutely love it. I, I think that's part of why the Premier League does end up a cut above because it is always littered at various levels of ability with players yeah. who have that combination and it's exciting to watch. Yeah, he is quite skillful. Perhaps we've been burned with our Brazilians of late and we've forgotten that they're supposed to be really skillful and have all those tricks and skills, right? I, I want to talk about Harris and Obviously, let's talk about his housing. Let's talk about his antics and his whatever you want to call his show. Because I mean, I want to get your opinion on Richardson generally, Charles, before we talk about this game and his actions in this game. When Spurs signed him, first of all, what were your thoughts? Did you think at the time that's a good signing? Have you rated him as a player traditionally? Do you think he had something? What do you think of him as a player? There's a lot of potential yeah. there. Previously, he's played for Watford and Everton and, yeah. and been sort of the brightest light in pretty mediocre teams. And it'll be interesting to see if he can deliver consistently for a team like Tottenham who are going to expect slightly more turning up for 15 minutes yeah. is great when you're playing for Watford and Everton but Spurs will expect slightly more than that so it'll be interesting to see if when he does get his chance to start a game which to be honest I think he might well do against West Ham in the upcoming fixture if he can turn in a whole 90 minutes yeah and we'll, we'll get on to that there's a whole discussion to be had about whether he's played his way into the team now obviously we talked, touched on Son earlier he's not been particularly good but just staying with with Richarlison for a second I, I kind of I feel like we're just dancing around it let's start talking about him he's a little bit of a prick isn't he 
let's be honest. Come on. I mean, I know you love it when it's your player, but Charles, as someone who, who obviously you don't support Spurs and you never supported a team with him in it, from the outside looking in, he's the kind of player you love yeah. to hate, isn't he? Oh, oh yeah, it's a total cunt. I mean, there's... <laughs> that's, that's a plus Dave first, he's, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to have to bleep okay. it, but I respect it nonetheless. Well, well, I never know what words you're beeping out, so oh, I mean, you could have been saying There's no it real consistency. Cock, Womble and Thunder Bastard are fine, but, you know, we, we draw the line at the C-bombs. Uh, yeah, I mean... I feel empowered if now. If he was playing for... <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Pandora's box has been opened. He's, I'm going to drop a C-bomb at least three times by the end of this episode now. He's absolutely every sort of... I mean, Arsenal fans will despise yeah. him because just wait for that North London derby. He's going to do something ridiculous. <laughs> I always reference Ander Herrera mm. for Man United. Every other team's fans always absolutely hated him. And I just loved it. He yeah. just caused problems for everyone. He was just always just nibbling away at people, just generally being a yeah. dick. And you love that guy when he plays for your team. Yeah. He's brilliant. And yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for that. I want to get your opinion on this matter generally, because obviously though, you've grown up supporting Man United. You've seen a lot of success. You've seen a lot of great teams. And if it's not too much of a stretch for me to say, I think you've had your fair share of, uh, of C-bombs, shall we say, in your team. I would say the quintessential one that stands out for me as the kind of nasty pantomime villain that you love to hate on the opposition's team, who's also a fantastic player, was Roy Keane who was basically the heart and soul of your most successful team. Do you think that to win trophies, you need to have a few assholes in your team? Do you think that you need to wind up the opposition to get in their head? Or is it is it more of a case of just playing smart and working the dark arts, as they say? Does football have a place for being a little bit of a dick? I don't think you necessarily do. I mean, Man City have been successful without any real outright mm. sort of dickish personalities until they signed Jack Grealish. But... <laughs> The dark arts yeah. is definitely required. It can't hurt. Fernandinho just runs around accidentally tripping people up for nice Yeah, great, great point. Like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, and gets away yeah. with it. And it's just absolute genius. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think in general, a bit of the dark arts is, yeah, definitely yeah. required. And someone who's willing to just absolutely boot someone where it's required. Because <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Stand on someone's hand. Pull their hair. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. You horrible, horrible man. Um, <laughs> And that is what Roy Keane was, mm. and you have to respect that because I couldn't do it myself. So. It, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying earlier about Conte making us less Spursy, because that is how you see out a game, right? Richarlison, we'll come back to him in this game. We're we're winning the game, closing out. We're trying to see out the game and run down the clock, and he goes down over absolutely nothing and buys us about a minute. And we all know it's not going to be added on. We're not going to have that added on in, in injury time. It doesn't work that way. He cries on the floor for a little bit. Then he does his little showboating, time-wasting thing, gets fouled. He basically secured the three points for us in the end. Okay, he got the assist. But even without that, he basically just got us over the line. And if you've got a couple of players pulling that way, then it's got to be useful. Um, on that incident, so <laughs> if, if anyone happens to have not seen this, if you haven't watched the game, Richarlison picked the ball up over by the touchline, 2-0 up, about five minutes to go, and starts doing keepy-uppies on the spot just basically to wind up the opposition, plays it out. And then um, who was the lad from Forest? Was it Johnson? Just runs in and absolutely mm. takes his legs out. And, and my first thought was, yeah, he kind of asked for that. He kind of deserved it. Elliot, what's your thoughts on this? Because I feel like you're going to defend Richarlison here. I know he's got a lot of stick for this. I, I absolutely will defend him because, yes, it was inflammatory. It was time-wasting in a really kind of obnoxious way. But yeah. 
we had a job to do at that point. We weren't playing particularly well. We wanted to win the game. And yeah. he bought time by doing that and then bought more time by the foul he took with the free yeah. kick that followed. So absolutely exactly. no yeah. issue with that. Also, for all the things there are to complain about in football, someone doing three kick-ups on the <laughs> byline under no pressure whatsoever. I mean... Yeah. You, you you have commentators defending Ryan Shawcross when he breaks Aaron Ramsey's leg because he's mm. made his 200th horrendous tackle of the season <laughs> and saying, well, Shawcross didn't mean it. He's a salt of the earth lad or that baboon Johnson when he does it to Eduardo. Always Arsenal players and actually the few <laughs> likeable ones as well. Um, like, yeah. And we're going to hammer Richarlison for that. I mean... Just being a bit we, of a child. We used to have Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne scored his first goal for Spurs without his boot on because it had flown off and he kept on going um, Alfie Con once sat on the ball goading someone to come in and tackle him and then got up and dribbled the ball around him I mean yeah. f- football is about fun at the end of the day and Richarlison had a little bit of fun I remember Arsenal um, fun in, for us. I think it was Arsenal's was it their Invincibles team or was it um, a couple of years after that but Pires and Henri against Manchester City absolutely botched a penalty they it was against David James and Gal Charles and that's exactly what I'm going to refer to they're trying <laughs> to imitate one that Cruyff did with Holland many many well obviously many many years prior to that yeah. where one player ran up just tapped the ball off the penalty oh, spot a little yeah. bit and another player ran forward and yeah. scored it with the goalkeeper already sort of flat on his ass. And they, it up, um, didn't they and they absolutely messed it up. Probably should have been retaken because I don't believe Henri ever touched the ball and then Danny Mills ran in and cleared it. But you know what? That's one where, like people are saying about Richardson with Brennan Johnson, they deserve what they got there. I mean, let's hammer Richardson. Fine, let's hammer all flair players that ever do something a little bit obnoxious. Let's say they're all cunts. That's one. <laughs> well, there's one. The first of many and the floodgates are open. Um, the thing is, though, it's one of those things where it's different standard for different players, isn't it? It's, it's that whole kind of flirting versus harassment meme, isn't it? Because it's Richarlison. You just think the worst of the, him doing that same thing. I mean, I've seen a clip being shared around of Luis Diaz doing basically the same thing. Everyone's like, oh, why didn't you call this one out, Carragher? Um, the thing is, though, it's not showboating. I was saying this to Charles earlier. It's, it's not. I could do what he did. He was just kicking the ball in three keep-ups. Like, that's, that's not difficult. Yeah, I mean, no one challenged him. He just did it. It was just like, let's not call it anything other than what he was. He was deliberately just trying to wind them up. You talk about yeah. Gaza and showboating. It's different. Like if you do like a rainbow flip over the defender to try and get it, like at least if it's showboating with a purpose to actually, you know, score a goal or get past a player. We all love seeing, you know, drop a shoulder, do a trick, step over, turn around a player. Like that's great. Even if it's unnecessary, even if it's overkill. This was purely winding up, wasn't it? Charles, what's your assessment of that whole incident? I know it's ridiculous that we've even talked about it this much, but everyone's talking about it. I just don't care. I mean, he, <laughs> exactly. it's like Dave never he left. Three kickups. I mean, if if he just like he was waiting for them to come and try mm. and tackle him, they were being slow to close him down. If he just stood still with his foot on the ball, would he have deserved to be kicked? That's effectively That's what, what he, he did. Doing. Yeah, he was just standing. And effectively, he stood still and mm. waited for them to come and try and tackle him, and he got bored, so he did some kickups while he waited. <laughs> I mean, I just such a non-event yeah. and Carragher going oh well yeah he was asking for that <laughs> I mean it's like the absolute like they might as well have said the girl going out in a short skirt asking for it as well. <laughs> let me I mean, ask you this John like, let me ask you this if we, if we were down at the Barnet Power League playing one of our old five-a-side games and someone started doing that would you kick him? No, if I can't tackle him while he's doing kick-ups, then I'm shit. That's on me. Like, just go and take the ball off him. Would Stand I have kicked him? That's another question. Well, you wouldn't I'd have, have thought about not, it. Not deliberately, I guess. You'd have just missed when you tried no, to tackle him. I'd have missed the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
that's what I told the ref anyway. Um, well, look, I think it's fair to say that that's not the last we've seen of Richarlison's wind-up activity. And I, for one, I'm here for it and I want to see more of it. I think it's going to be hilarious and I think it could actually add a lot of value to us. Um, the real question is, do we want to see him start the next game? We had the same discussion before this game and obviously Son started... Every game that goes by and Son isn't performing, the cries for Richarlison to come into the first team are louder and louder. And we touched on it before. We know that Son is Son and he'll have his ups and downs and no one would bet against him banging a couple of goals against West Ham next week. But there has to come a point, doesn't there, where you say, you know, Richarlison, you've done well. You came on, you, you set up a goal. You've been good every time you've come on. You know, he's got to be thinking, what do I have to do to get into this team? Even if you don't permanently displace Son, you know, do you think, Elio, now is the time with the fixtures actually starting to come thick and fast, and we've actually got this midweek game now, to put Richarlison in from the beginning? Well, Conte has always said that he's going to rotate when he needs to. He's also said Richarlison yeah. is definitely going to start in the coming matches at some point. It may be West Ham, it may not be. Um, if it was me, I would. But at the same time, same analogy I think I made last time, when you're trying to take a belt off the reigning heavyweight champ, if it goes to a points decision, yeah. you have to have done more mm. than just outbox the other guy a little bit. You, yeah. Being 5% better than the other guy. Yeah, exactly. Game. If he'd scored the winner, I think he'd yeah. be nailed on. Um, mm. I, I think he may well start v West Ham anyway, but Son is a player that deserves the chance to play his way into form as long as the team isn't suffering. Right now, the team's not suffering. We've got a couple of tweets here. Here's one from Raj Baines on Twitter. Eric Lamella walked so that Richarlison could run. I'm all for it. I like that one. <laughs> and there's another one. <laughs> You've probably seen this. Didi Haman went on Twitter and shared the Richarlison incident. He goes, nothing to do with showboating, should have been booked for unsportsmanlike conduct and restarted with a free kick to Forrest. Richarlison just responds with, cry more, with a little crying emoji. <laughs> he loves it. He's just adding fuel to the fire. And, and that, that's it. This is We're going to get this all season. And it is very Lamella, except the difference is, hopefully, he's actually going to add a little bit more than just housing so let's see um Charles where do you stand on that with with rotation because it's different rotating because you want to you know rest players or whatever but how do you manage that thing when you've got a player who's you know is quality he's world-class and you know that you know he's had periods in the past where he's not been quite up to scratch and then he finds form again do you think there is an argument to say just give him more time or at the moment do you think Richarlison should start and you know because obviously Son could come on as well he can come off the bench in the 70th minute and previous place but do you think Richarlison has earned a start given that Son hasn't really done much in the last few games? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, if you're talking about earning it, Son was the top scorer in the Premier League last season. You, you, yeah. In terms of earning it, he's he's earned it for so many seasons that Richarlison can't do anything off the bench to earn it in that regard. But the fact of the matter is that you are playing in the Champions League this season and it's shortened because of the random insane... World Cup in the uh, place where they kill people. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so the World Cup built by slaves. Yes, we're aware that, that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, I just he's going to have to start some games, and that's why you've signed him. That's why you've signed Basuma. That's why you've signed additional wing backs so that you can easily rotate your squad without it being a major yeah. incident. And and that's what good managers do. That's what. I'm just going to refer back to Man United because um, you guys love it. But the famous Man United team from 1999, if you yeah. listed off the 4-4-2, I, yeah. I think 
I think the main team, the 11 that you would name, started something like four games together that season in the Premier League because there was always mm. one of them being rotated for someone else to allow for other games. Like, and that's what Spurs will get into once the season gets going. You'll have yeah. one of what you guys would consider or, or what Conte would consider your first 11 won't be playing mm. at all times, basically, because you'll just be shifting around who's been Precisely. suspended, who's injured. Yeah, and Man City were a bit like that last year as well, weren't they? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's not just about having sort of two 11s, so to speak, where you, you don't notice a big drop from one to the other. I mean, especially if you don't have Manchester City money, that's impossible. But it's about having enough good, let's say, non-first 11 players, let's say it quietly because we, we are sort of flying the rotation flag. It's about having yeah. enough good players of that respect that if a couple of them do come in for an already familiar, already in sync team that the overall quality doesn't drop. I mean, Basuma's almost definitely coming in for Benton Core for Oh, the he took a knock game. on his head, didn't he? He Concussion. did, and he did see yeah. concuss. So mm. I, I, I think Basuma's guaranteed his first start. We still have Skip to come back from his injury as well. We all know how talented he is. So that's, mm. that's going to be kind of the first big test of that. Perisic obviously has started the last couple of games after Sessegnon started the first couple of games. Uh, at yeah. some point, Longley's going to play. We're not going to see 11 different players in, but if sort of we always have, let's say, seven or eight of the core players in the side, and it doesn't have to be the same seven or eight every time, then... Yeah there should never be a tangible drop in quality. And mm. I think the United side that Charles grew up on, as opposed to obviously the United side that are worse than Spurs, is definitely <laughs> one to hark back shot, to. wasn't it? <laughs> well, he still has many, many Premier Leagues <laughs> in his lifetime. I think to we might have zero. the third C-bomb in coming soon. <laughs> well, well, I haven't I, had my I, second I one yet. It. <laughs> but like, uh, you, Nicky Butt, not a particularly good footballer in my opinion but came in for either Keane or Skulls and Man United still won games. Who was that god-ugly winger you had at one point? Um, Chadwick. Chadwick. (laughs) You had a season where you won the league with Luke Chadwick playing a considerable amount of football in your team. Well, that makes him better than Harry Kane, doesn't it? Because he's won a trophy. Well, well, several I, trophies. That that's what that's uh, how football all works. the pundits say, even the ones who never won trophies. So yeah, yeah absolutely. David is front and centre in all the Champions League, the '99 Champions yeah. League winning photos. David May is right over the back, yeah. giving it the big and like he won the Champions is League. Is Henningberg not a treble winner? <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely I mean, right. Henningberg. In fact, Henning, Henningberg has two titles. I mean, jo- Jonathan Greening won, won the treble. Mm. There you go. I mean... Who? What? <laughs> exactly. Jonathan Greening. Jesper Blomqvist. The names go on. Like It's not yeah. about having 22 world I mean, they had a players. few good players as well, let's be honest. They had a few what, half-decent ones. What, what Spurs like have done really well this season in recruiting Richarlison and Bissouma and Longley is really good players in key positions so when you do mm. have to weaken in some of the other positions i mean richarlison can cover across the front three mm. but Suma is i mean i wish man united had signed yeah. as a, a ball winning midfielder in the premier league with proven premier league quality i just think that that was a, mm. a no-brainer and long way I've not seen him in the Premier League as yet. There's a lot of, of history that yeah. would suggest that he's a pretty decent footballer. So you've mm. covered a, a spine of your team 
with strong cover. It's almost showing off a little bit, isn't it? Bringing in players like Basuma and Richarlison and Perisic and Longley and not starting them. It's like saying, this is how good we, this is how much we rate our team, that these guys are just there for backup. I mean, okay, obviously they are going to slowly be integrated into the team. But um, but speaking, one, one of those we haven't mentioned, who obviously is one kind of more for the future, but maybe not for the future, is uh, Jed Spence, who obviously had a nice moment, came on against his uh, last year's club. Looked quite good. I mean, it's probably easy to look good in the 90th minute against a tired team, but... He had a chance. He showed a lot of pace, a lot of energy. What do you make of his five minutes on the pitch, Elio? And more importantly, do you expect him to get much game time this year? I expect him to get some game time. I think Doherty is probably ahead of him, but Mm. this was a bit of a nice touch from Conte, bringing on a guy that played for Forrest last season and got promoted with them for his debut in a game that we pretty much already won. So I I think it was sort of, uh, while Spence has been training hard, he probably deserves a bit of an ego boost to kind of keep him keen for a while because maybe won't be playing quite as soon as he'd like. So I think it was clever management as much as anything else, but it's a good little cameo. I mean, can't tell too much, but he he got into a good position, which maybe without some ring rust, he'd have actually put the ball into the back of the net. He he showed some exceptional pace at one point, only for Richarlison to waste the pass. So yeah, um, Yeah. good glimpses. We have more than enough good glimpses across the entirety of last season, including his games against Premier League sides in the FA Cup. So one to be excited about, but I'd be surprised to see him start the first half of the season at all unless there are injuries and second half of the season if he gets five six starts then I think he'll have done well I think one for the future he now has the highest expected goals per 90 minutes of anyone in the Premier League <laughs> that alone to me says he should start I'm joking that is a ridiculous just as start, I began course. to come round to XG's stats you <laughs> tell me something that makes me want to never hear it again yeah, so, I just uh, nearly said cuts again. Yeah, oops. Oh, um, so, no, wait, you anyway, just, we, um, we've talked about a few of our players already, but is there anyone we haven't talked about yet that you think is worthy of a bit of a mention? Anyone that stood out for you that you thought was particularly impressive or anyone um, that you think you're a bit worried about? Who were the standout performers for you in that game? Obviously, Kane. We've got two upcoming games to cover, so I'll keep it fairly brief. But I think mm. a bit of praise has to go to Kulusevsky, who, while it might not have been his very best game, and he was marshaled really well, the way he made the goal was just lovely. The the strength, yeah. the skill, and the awareness. Son was the obvious pass. Kane was the harder pass to pull off, but the way he slid it through yeah. for Kane. Kane still had a bit to do, but Lucas mm. Moura in the same position. I love Lucas Moura. What Spurs yeah, fan does not well. scoring that. Spurs fans don't so that's twice um, but Thanks, I, um, I, I think that Kulusevski deserves praise for what he did there yeah fair enough that's probably more or less all we need to say about it it wasn't the prettiest win but it was a win and we got our got our three points looking pretty good at the moment next game might be slightly tougher it's a fixture I don't like seeing on the on the fixture list when it rolls around. West Ham away. We know that it's going to be their cup final. We know they're going to be pulling out all of their best performances across the pitch to try and ruin our party. Game we lost last year. How do you anticipate that one going, Elio? I always say, I always mitigate my answers when you ask me this and say hard game. Once again, you said mm. it will be their cup final. Are you but taking a draw? They've started, no. Um, they've started the season really, really poorly and they have not one player that gets into our best 15-16. So, all right, that might be a bit harsh on Declan Rice. He'd probably be one of our first couple of subs if he came on. But I um, mm. 
I don't think we should be thinking of anything other than three points for this. I, I said at the beginning of the season, I thought we'd get 15 from the first five looking at the fixtures. We've had four of those now. This is the fifth. I'll, I'll be really disappointed mm. if we don't have 13 from 15 after we've played this match because yeah. we are a better side than them. They are low on confidence and playing badly. And if it wasn't for the fact that they always get their tails up for this. Yeah. I'd 100% expect it. I mean, Charles started off by saying that Spurs are being less Spursy at the moment. Let's show it by also not letting occasion overwhelm our players and actually win yeah. games we're meant to win. If we're serious about, and I think the players and the manager are, even if some of the fans are being hesitant, but if we're serious about trying to challenge for a title as opposed to just scrapping out for third and fourth, hmm. you need to win away at West Ham. Yeah, it's worth mentioning, of course, they did win their last game, but it was against Villa. And at the moment, it looks like everyone's able to beat Villa. They're not doing well themselves. But they lost their opening three games of the season. It's, it's almost a little bit like looking at Son, isn't it? Because we know that they are capable of pulling out a good performance. And last year, until they kind of got stunted by their cup run in, in Europe, they were looking really good. Charles, what do you think of West Ham at the moment? What do you make of them? Do you think they've got good players? Do you think last year was a bit of a flash in the pan? Or do you actually rate them as a team? Do you think they actually could give us a good game? No, I think they're the sort of traditional, they're greater than the sum of their parts. Yes. I think Moyes gets them playing together really, really well. I, uh, Apart from the Declan Rice comment, which I think only Spurs fans would believe, um, <laughs> I, I would agree that I wouldn't put any of the rest of their starting eleven in your team or possibly even on your bench, even though I, you know, I really, really like Jared Bowen and Mikel Antonio. If you look at Spurs' squad, you should be better than mm. them. But, yeah. David Moyes can get them playing together really well. And it's the same thing he did at Everton. If you looked at that team, you wouldn't necessarily ever have said that they were a particularly good team on paper, but they performed certain jobs really well and, and they did them. But um, mm. not so much this season. <laughs> they were <laughs> dreadful against Villa. Even in the win, the first half was appalling. Mm. Um if you play the first half like you did against Forest and they play like they did against Villa, it will be the worst game. <laughs> You'll turn it off by half time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be mm. appalling. Yeah. So, yeah. I, on the face of it, and with yeah. Conti being Conti, I, I would expect Spurs to win. You'll make but, us favourites. Yeah. But, you know, West Ham, if they could refine their form and, and get going, and if Spurs keep playing meh as they have been so far mm. this season, then um, potentially you could lose a game. It, it is coming back to that whole Spursy thing. So I think a key component of what we used to describe as Spursy was the Dr. Tottenham factor, where you know a team was on terrible form and had absolutely no right to beat us, and suddenly we'd give them that magic three points that they needed. So this is a great chance, even though they did win their last game, admittedly, they're still on poor form. This is the kind of game that former Tottenham's would have definitely thrown away. Um, Elio, does it worry you at all that this is obviously the first time we're going to be playing midweek a few games after, a few days after our last game? Because I think that's one criticism that's been thrown at Conte in general. One of the few sticks to beat him with is that he struggles with congested fixtures or allegedly struggles. Um, and we found that a little bit last season as well, didn't we? Are you a little bit concerned that it's our first midweek game of the season? No, I mean, we had the whole win-lose, win-lose thing last season. It became a bit of a meme, but yeah. we got rid of that and finished fourth. I think the Arsenal win was a midweek win, in fact, wasn't it? So I'm inclined to say that a manager who's won the titles Conte has won yeah. in more than one league does not struggle to win midweek games. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's, it's just one of something, right? stupid little football rumours. Yeah, uh, it's like Harry that, Kane can't score in August. Yeah, all that, that stuff. happened for what two seasons or something. I mean, football fans are c- that's three. <laughs> <laughs> that will be it. 
I've filled up my cup <laughs> quota. I wait four. Okay, fine. <laughs> I've still got seven more in the bank. Just, just <laughs> I'm going to really struggle to pick out an episode title for this one. I'm just going to say that. It might have stars in it. I'll give that away from now. Well, is, is there anything else to say about either of those games, Forest or West Ham? Because we've got a few other things to get on to. And obviously we've got Challenge um, Elio to come, which I know Charles can't wait for. Because he's a huge sake- fan of Challenge Elio. <laughs> For the sake of not having to overly preview the final fixture on yeah. coming up, is it because, Fulham? Uh, obviously, we pressed on time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what I'd say about those two games is that they're both harder games than Fulham at home. I miss playing Fulham at home. I like playing Fulham at home. I think even Harry Winks scored once against Fulham. Um, so I am looking forward to Harry Winks never gets a break. Poor Charles Harry Winks, he's, he's leaving us now. <laughs> Good, f*** off to Sampdoria. Charles yeah, is praying he's, he's for going this off to blow off And the poor guy. I so hope that you get fucking hammered by Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> Mitrovic hat-trick, I mean, I might touch myself if that happens to that. It's just... I mean... I, I'm scared of Mitrovic, I'll be honest. I'm scared of Mitrovic. He's got the second highest XG, would you know, in the league. And I'm not talking per 90. This is a real stat. He's right behind Haaland and right in front of Harry Kane in third. So uh, Mitrovic guess, looks guess, good. It's still not a real stat. It is a real stat. I, I will no, die on G, this hill. G, just, just G. Uh, just, when they either score or they don't score. How many expected <laughs> trophies do Spurs have? <laughs> Someone, the, the bad thing is, you know, someone somewhere has worked that out, haven't they? Right. So we've got a few things. To talk about. I want to talk about a few transfer rumors because there have been some, obviously some transfer activity, outward transfer activity going on. Um, we've had the Champions League draw as well, which I wanted to touch on quickly. We talked about it last week. A bit of a boring one, really. I don't want to complain because I think I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, yeah, we've got an easy group. We're going to sail through to the second round. And um, they've obviously not really watched football before. But Elio, are you a little bit disappointed that we didn't get one of the big boys in Europe to to have a nice big blockbuster fixture. I am. No like disrespect to, you know, the champions of the Europa League. I wanted PSG. Um, mm. I really did because it's not a team that I've played and I'd get to see Messi one more time. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have, in theory, winnable fixtures. It also will make us look far more stupid if we don't win those. Much the same as we'll look far more stupid than we could have now that I've predicted us uh, so confidently to beat Fulham <laughs> next week if we don't. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I, I, I imagine I genu- Frankfurt are a tougher test. Well, yeah, they've, they've got some. Do they? Is it Frankfurt? I don't know much about German football, admittedly, but it's a Frankfurt who have Indica, and I think they've sold Kostic, haven't they? But a lot of the players that made a few waves in Europe unexpectedly last yeah. season. That tells me they probably have a really good manager as well. Always worrying, mm. but yeah, you, you got to right. be, be pleased when you are made favourites for a group, even though you've come out of pot two. But I wanted to get a blockbuster because that's w- why we're we killing ourselves to finish the top four and get into the Champions League uh, I mean <laughs> yeah. this is a Europa League group isn't it let's be honest that's what I, it looks like I don't like. want to say that that is massively disrespectful so I don't <laughs> want to say that every one of these teams qualified I include for the us in that League. by the way well yeah quite I include yeah. Tottenham as the Europa League they're not they're not listening it's fine they, every, everyone <laughs> every, they will one day they will one day but every one of these teams one qualified day. for the Champions League by rights they deserve to be there however I just feel a little like I really, really want us to get to the quarters or the last 16 now yeah. to get one of those blockbuster fixtures. I mean, I guess Marseille has a touch of lovely about it They've as well. Won Obviously, it, they? they did win it, uh, was it 1990, but they were stripped of it afterwards because of financial irregularities or something. Um, oh dear. They, we obviously yeah, have Chelsea get to, to keep theirs. Well, yeah, quite. We have a link to Marseille because of Chrissy Waddle as well. So, not, mm. not the worst fixture from a nostalgia point of view, I guess. Yeah. Charles, one of my greatest fears about this podcast is that one day we do make it big. 
and actual footballers start listening and hear all the horrible things that Elio has been saying. And that was before you opened the door on the C-bombs. Now it's just going to, it's going to be even worse. Yeah. I mean, next time you start slagging off Son and one of you calls him a c- <laughs> it's going to be bad news. <laughs> we're going easy on him because last time, last time we were slagging him off all season, he, uh, he went and won the golden boot. Charles, I'm sure you can remember being in the Champions League. Yes. Yeah, a little while ago now, but I'm, I'm sure you've got fond memories of it. Do you... Genuinely, I guess I went to check who was in Man United's group when, when I saw <laughs> that the draw had been made. I genuinely went, oh, that's, I wonder. That's <laughs> tragic. Oh, that is no. that is tragic. Um, what I was going to ask you, because obviously, yeah, unlike us, we, it's a bit of a special treat when we get into it. We, don't, we haven't had that many. We've had a fair few. But you obviously grew up and it was just standard, as you've just demonstrated by the fact that you went to check who you had this year. Um, did you always hope for an easy group? Or was there part of you that was like, oh, I want to I want to face the big boys. I want to have a cool fixture and play against big names in football? When I was a kid and I wanted to have bragging rights over my siblings, yeah, I was like, oh, easy group. But as you get older and you actually just want to enjoy the football, yeah, yeah, you want to play Real Madrid. Yeah. You want to play those big games. That's, that's, yeah, as Elio said, why else have you just battled to get into the Champions League? It's so that you can go to Madrid or just watch your team try their chances against PSG. Those massive games, that's what it's all about. Where do you reckon Spurs are going to finish in, well, finish? How are they going to do in the Champions League? I mean, do you want to know what I hope? No, no. I want your objective, unbiased, raw opinion. Where do you think Spurs will get to in the Champions League? I mean, I I think you'll top that group. Hmm. And after that, it depends on who comes next. (laughs) Because uh, I think there's a a good number of teams that will beat you. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, it depends on your draw. You could could make it to the semi-final if things fall kindly for you. But um, I wouldn't bet on it well we've got a little while until those all roll around so looking forward to previewing our first game i'm not even sure what our first game is do we have the actual fixture list yet do we know who we're playing first that was released yeah. um uh, i did have we'll get this. On to i don't have it now <laughs> you know what it's a while <laughs> that says away. it all doesn't it that says it all you know if it, if it was a bit more exciting we'd be looking to see oh when we play psg anyway i'm not going to complain because you know let's see how we do I, I think we should take it very very seriously and they're all teams that are going to be a Marseille challenge on Wednesday the 7th Marseille of September on the 7th of September and that's at home, stand by for that yeah that's at home yeah lovely lovely um, I want to talk about transfers now specifically some transfer rumours obviously we mentioned Harry Winks is probably on his way out now um, I think Brian Hill is off on loan as well is that right Elio he's going back to Spain for a year or he's on the he was still he, the I mean, yeah I I think you're not alone in that one Charles to be honest it's not quite been the fairy tale <laughs> It's not quite been the fairy tale he was hoping for, but obviously it looks like we're holding on to him longer term. Um, in terms of incoming players, it looks like we're still being linked with every wing back under the sun. Um, a couple of interesting ones, a couple of X-Man United players, actually. We've got Dan James, which is a rumour that started doing the rounds now. Charles just made a face at Dan James, so I'm going to get your thoughts on that. The other one is Wilfred Zaha, which is a bit more interesting, and I'm not sure if there's anything to it. Elio, I know at one stage recently you thought there was potentially some credibility to those rumours. And then, of course, Adama Traore continues to do the rounds, is always being linked to us. And the most recent one is Carrasco from Atletico Madrid, which is very exciting, but I don't know how much faith to put in that. Elio, you're normally pretty clued in on what sources you can believe and not believe, and you normally set me straight when I start getting excited about a transfer that's never going to happen in a million years. But out of those, or any others for that matter, that I haven't mentioned, what's looking the most likely and what do you want to see? 
Oh, God, I, I don't want to comment on what looks the most likely because really nobody's called anything right this summer. Um, mm. Not from the media, not from ITKs. And to everything that we've actually done, by the time anybody has got wind of it, it seems to have already been close to completion. I think in terms of what I'd like, I know that some names there are sexier than others. All of them would probably be an improvement on what... There'd be an improvement on Hill, not because Hill's a bad player, but because Conte clearly doesn't think he's ready for football in this league with Spurs, so is not using him. So some of that Conte would use is definitely an upgrade. I'm not a huge fan of Adama Traore, but uh, I can see sort of the off-the-bench factor he brings. Someone like yeah. Zahar, I think, is a superb player. He's also homegrown, which uh, is handy and has a year left on his deal. Carrasco is a truly exceptional footballer who mm. has a great deal of versatility as well. He could play left, right, centre in the front three or even either wing-back position. Another one of these sort of tall, powerful, skillful guys in that richardson Kulisevsky yeah, mode. So, content, so I, I really don't see a bad signing amongst those. Dan James, I don't overly see the point in uh, in the best possible way. I mean, why sign a player who's... Man United legend. I mean, he's barely getting into the lead side, isn't he? So yeah. not for me, but... But it's it's a case of what the manager wants. If we deliver something the manager wants, then I'll be happy. And the proof will be in whether the manager uses that player or not. Charles, do you think Spurs would improve with Wilfred Zaha in the team? Oh, I don't think he'd be a first eleven player for you. On, on this season's form, I, he should be. Take him over well, Son at the moment. This, season, this season's form, I might get him. <laughs> um, no, uh, Zaha's a bit yeah. of a... I, I think he's a bit of a flat-track bully. Yeah. But, um, which is, is useful. Um, you know, it, it will definitely serve a purpose and it would improve your squad. But I think that you'd still start with Kane, Son, Kulisevsky. The thing that scares me about Zaha is exactly that Man United experience. It didn't quite work out the way everyone hoped it would. And I think maybe he wants to be the big fish in a small pond, doesn't he? And he thrives under that. He's the main man there. He always has been. <laughs> he, was, he was very young. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a different scenario. He didn't have all the years of Premier League experience and... We wanted him to be ready then, and he wasn't. Um, I think he's now got seven, eight years Premier League experience, and he's proved that he's capable. So I yeah. still think it would be a strong signing. I just don't think he's better than your first eleven currently. Fair enough. Just on signings, finally, Elio, do you think we need to make another signing? Do you want to see another signing? And do you think it is that right wing-back spot that's the most crucial to improve? I think we need something a little bit more for when we're not the better team against a side who are genuinely better than us. I also think we're going to have a few stubborn defences that we're going to struggle with this season. So something, I've always loved the idea of the kind of old school playmaker. You know, I really wanted Ericsson back, though obviously he's not had a great start to his Manchester United career. But I think he has improved a little bit as it's gone on. Uh, Charles is looking very sheepish about that, so I, I can say <laughs> no more. But I think somebody that can do something out of nothing is something that will improve us. So Zahar... Carrasco, these kinds of players, they'll excite me if they come, even if they're not. I mean, Carrasco probably would make it into the first team quite a bit, but even if yeah. they're. I mean, we've got five subs these days. Players will come on at half time many times this season. There's almost no such thing as an outright substitute anymore. So let's go get someone that we'd be upset if one of our rivals got him. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Well, we will stay tuned on that. We'll obviously let you know if we do start to make any progress with any specific signings. Still a little while left to go. So we'll keep a close eye on that. And I imagine with the next podcast, if anything does happen, we will be discussing it in a lot more detail. But stay tuned and keep an eye out for our Twitter as well. As long-time listeners will know, we are on Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. And I'm on Twitter at Plus Dave Dags. Elio is at Elio underscore P underscore THFC. And I have no idea if Charles is on Twitter. Charles, do you use social media or are you... Uh, one of the evolved part of the species that has moved past it. Uh, yeah, no, no Twitter, <laughs> no Twitter, no Instagram, no TikTok. It's. Or, I mean, I, I do still have my Facebook page from when I was at school. <laughs> I would say it's a bit like following football. It kind of you wonder why you do it to yourself, but you can't stop. It's, it's a little bit additive. But anyway, uh, please follow us on Twitter and get in touch and let us know what you think about Spurs' season so far, and of course our upcoming fixtures: the Forest match, the West Ham game, uh, the Champions League draw, and anything in relation to transfers or what you'd like to see. We're always happy to hear from all of you guys. Right, I think it's almost time for the only reason Charles agreed to be on the show, which is Challenge Elio, because I know you generally just fast forward straight to that part anyway right don't you i mean that's what you wait around for i mean i really don't need to listen to 35 minutes of spurs analysis a quiz on the other hand (laughs) and we do occasionally try and keep it a little bit more general obviously there's always a spurs flavor if you happen to be new to the podcast challenge elio is the portion of the show that we end every episode with which is a trivia game which uh, these days takes the form of elio our resident spurs and football expert asking the remaining members of the pod some questions about football and about spurs and uh, i actually won last week which was the first time I've ever won it. I suspect Charles is going to give me a pretty good challenge, though, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what questions Elio has prepared. Charles, are you confident? Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not confident in, in my knowledge. I'm confident that you're an idiot, so uh, <laughs> that's uh, strong stuff. I should defend <laughs> myself, but I, I just won't. I'm just going to hand the reins right over to Elio. Elio, let's have this week's challenge, Elio. Take it away. So for any first time listeners, Challenge Elio is a game that we've been playing since the start of this. It used to be a game where I was pitted against the rest of the group and see who could answer the most questions about Spurs correctly. It very quickly became pointless for two reasons. One, I never <laughs> lost. And two, Dagus can't fact check. But Every week. Th- Every this week. Se- <laughs> this season, Challenge Elio has vastly improved. I'm asking the question, so we do get different winners from time to time. I also ask questions which I know the answers to. So w- it's win, worth win. mentioning at this point, Charles did message me recently to say that Challenge Elio has vastly improved since you took it over. I was hurt, but okay. I couldn't argue. I mean, Daggett, you can't tell Elio when I say nice things about him. That is I mean, thanks to you, he still refers to himself as the world's greatest pundit, which you didn't even say, well, yeah, and- but you gave him the rope. You, you, <laughs> you led I him down that path. Led, led the horse to water. It's not the point I was making. <laughs> no, you were trying to say he's terrible at football. I understand. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry, Elio. Sorry. I'm, world's I'm greatest taking pundit. your thunder. Go ahead. World's greatest pundit, you c- Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's five um that is does this mean i can only do one next week let's see um right this week's quiz is going to be a little bit different obviously charles is not a massive spurs fan like dave so i have decided to make the quiz a bit fairer than usual and gear it not to our current fixtures there's not gonna be a who am i this week 
either. Uh, but what there is, is questions about Spurs and Manchester United. Okay. We've got a Spurs fan here, a Manchester United fan here. Neither of them really ever go to watch their teams play live. So this should be a fairly even contest. Chuck has um, a better excuse than me, to be fair. Lives a bit so, further from the stadium. And has children because someone loves him, unlike yeah. you. So... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I hope I hope oh, the questions are a bit fairer than the build up. So Elliot Pegasus crying. How's it real the pod today? This is what happens when you've been spending a long weekend drinking for your birthday, I'm afraid. It's probably not the best week to have me running the quiz, but hey ho. Nineteen sixty five. Very famous year for Spurs and Manchester United. Nope, neither side won a thing, but they had some tremendous matches between each other in the first half of the season. They had two huge wins over one another, one at Spurs, one at Manchester, by the exact same scoreline. Amongst all the goal scorers across the two fixtures were such names as Jimmy Greaves, Alan Gilzean, Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton. Both matches were hammerings. What were the two scores? Like I said, same score both times. How does this work? Does one of us go first? Do we buzz? You can. Does it matter? We're just going to be guessing. I, I think I know for what it's worth. I think I know. Oh. If you think you know, let's Charles have a stab first. Go for it. That, that doesn't sound yeah, sure. fair. 4 1. 4, four 1. Okay. That's wrong. Um, but let's see what Dagus comes out with. I think they were 5 nils. Oh. No, so back to Charles. Oh, I was so sure about that as well. At five one. Yep, Charles wins five one. Five one. I was. I would have put money down on that answer. I was really confident. Yeah, they were in October no and money. December of that season. Uh, Spurs won five one at White Hart Lane. Manchester United won five one at Old Trafford and like I said some very famous players on show in those matches Georgie Best of course as well Pat Jennings in goal for Spurs and well yeah pretty spectacular I'd say so let's hope we don't have quite as much excitement this season as I think we're all a bit old for that now and (laughs) yeah some nice boring 1-0 to Spurs would do so we'll take that this next game is all about who played more for who Spurs and Manchester United across the Premier League era have shared a few players. There was a time when if Spurs had a good player, Manchester United bought that player. Mm. These days are no more. I'm sure everyone here is thankful for that. But I'd love to know which player appears more for each club. So first one I'm going to go with is Louis Sahar. Who did he play more for, Manchester United or Spurs? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to throw all of these to a bit of a buzzer situation if you think you know. You shout it out. Man United. Yep. Absolutely. So... uh, This is a buzzer one. No. So you buzz and go for 50-50. Well, yeah. And then if you're wrong, the other person just wins. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I might be buzzing a lot. Michael Carrick. (laughs) Buzz. That's an easy one. Go on. Man United. Yep. I was nervous there. Fraser Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that your buzzer go on oh. that's, that's my buzzer uh, Tottenham correct Ezekiel Friars buzz go on no idea who that is but I'm going to say Spurs it was Spurs yes uh, <laughs> I've, I've cracked this game <laughs> Dimitar Berbatov oh, I can't say my buzzer after that name it's not allowed um, go on have a stab at it 
Man United. Yes, I it think. was Manchester United. Was it? Um, it was me. He was with them four seasons and us two. Uh, I know it feels oh, wow. like we had him longer, but no, it was just the two seasons. And last, Teddy Sheringham. Buzz. Go on. Tottenham. It was Tottenham. Yeah. Got to be. Yeah. yeah. So that was a very Surely. comfortable it was just, thrill. It was just a bench warmer for us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're counting bench appearances. If it's I minutes, mean, it's definitely Tottenham. Oh, yeah. So that was nice and easy, obviously. This one is a guess the closest round. I did this last week. It seemed to work quite well. Oh, do we have to write down numbers? You can write them down or you can just say your numbers each time. If you want to write them down before you say them down so nobody's just adding one to the other person's answer, I'm happy with that as well. I think that's wise, personally. Sure. So... I'm going to ask you about Spurs wins, Manchester United wins and draws. This isn't a league question. This is an all competitions question. I'm not going to tell you how many games the two teams have played between each other so that we don't waste time doing maths because everybody hates maths. But first of all, how many games between Spurs and Manchester United have been won by Manchester United? I've got no idea where to start with this. You're making me do maths by virtue of the fact that I have to think about how many years they've been playing. I don't even know if this is anywhere near close. Okay. Have you have you both written something down? This is how many games have they played between each other? No, no. This is how many wins Manchester United have. Oh, in that case, I'm going to use my number that I'd written down for total games and give most of them to Man United. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably quite sensible. Okay. I have a number. I have no idea if it's close. All right. Dagus, you took longer, so Charles can say his number first. Oh, I was going to show you. 90. 90. Daggis, how many games have Manchester United won? I've said... That's, now that sounds good, actually, Charles. I've said 140. Sounds pretty punchy now. I say it out that, loud. That's quite a high number. Um, that is. Charles was much closer. Manchester United, across all competitions, have beaten Spurs 95 times. Charles takes the points. Do you know what I did there? For a moment, I forgot that draws are a thing in football. I just kind of thought, <laughs> I'm going to split these to the games Man United have won and the game Spurs have won. I never really accounted for the fact that there's going to be a few draws in there. Charles, do you fancy hosting the Plus Dave podcast from now on? I've lost faith in Daggers. <laughs> do, do you remember at the beginning of Challenge Elio when I said he was an idiot? Yes. This was, yeah, this is why. Uh, just, yeah. The yeah. thing is, Charles, you don't hear what I edit out every week. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> will now. <laughs> So, obviously, naturally from that, how many games have been drawn between the two sides? Okay. So that was... What was the answer to that one? 95 wins for Manchester United. Um, no, I'm going to stop with the round numbers. Okay, I've got my number. Daggis, you can go first this time. These are draws. Mm-hmm. I've gone for 53. Okay. And what's Charles I'm not for? remotely confident about that, but that's what I've gone for. <laughs> I've gone for 38. Ooh. Both good guesses. Dagus is closer on this occasion. There have been 49 draws. Who's the idiot now, Charles? Still you, Dagus. <laughs> still you. Well, I still remember, I still remember that all the three possible results in football exist. So, <laughs> Okay. And uh, very obviously, and lastly, how many Spurs wins are there? Okay. And this time, I don't want either of you to say your answer. I want you to hold both your answers up to the screen for me to see. There must have been a significant period where we weren't terrible. Um, Man United were so if you ask me how many I've seen that would be a pretty tragic number but I'm going for and Charles holds Ooh. yours up Ooh, we're close so, they're very close to each other one of them has put down 49 the other one has put down 42 
And the answer to how many games have been won by Spurs is actually 53. Wow. So with 49 as his answer, Charles well takes done, the Charles. win. Very good. You can so see why had, I lowballed it, though. I, I absolutely can. We, we've had three rounds so far. Charles won the first. The second was a draw. Dagus won the third. So we're back to Dagus losing Challenge Elio every week, which um, is as the universe should be, uh, quite frankly. <laughs> but I do have one final question. This is not something I would have ever known the answers to myself. It's definitely something I've had to look up. Obviously, that's true of a lot of what I've asked today. But... Spurs and Manchester United's first game was in the FA Cup, as a lot of teams' first games against each other were once upon a time, mm. because the leagues, etc. Dagus, this question is just yeah. for you. What was Manchester United's name in that game? See, I'm annoyed now because I know I've heard this, so it's going to bug me when I hear it. This isn't one of those where I'm just like, I have no idea in the world. But I've got no idea, <laughs> so... Charles looks nervous, like suddenly it's dawned on him that he should know this and probably doesn't. Well, Charles? Charles. I, I, I'm sorry, a glory hunter's supposed to look up the history of the club. It's going to be ridiculous. So, Charles, yeah. do you know what we, we Man know United when we won our trophies? Because that was in the history. No, no I, don't. I mean, did, did Man United what? exist before 1994? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Elio, Elio, can you give us some kind of clue or what it starts with? Because I feel like I'm, I know it. You might. Okay. It might be, Manchester United's name at the time of their first match against Spurs, it, for what it's worth, it was a one-all draw in the FA Cup. Well, they oh, is it Thorn- is it Thornton Heath? Ooh, Ooh is it that? almost? Is it? It shares the name like with a great scientist. Okay, I'm now convinced that I never knew it at all. <laughs> I was kidding <laughs> myself because that should help, but it doesn't. So no, no, I take it well, back. I tell you what, I'm going to say what the name was, and if. Dagus thinks Charles's answer was close enough to give Charles at least a half point for that, then we'll give Charles a half point. The team was actually Newton Heath. Oh, Newton Heath. But very See, well now, done with that. Now I'm annoyed. It, it, was, it wasn't close enough. No, no you I know what? I think, I think you deserve half point. And now I'm annoyed because now you've said that. I have heard that before. So I Charles should have Charles is not it. taking the point, apparently. So okay. No, fair very, enough. No, very sporting of you. in London and I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I mean... Newton Heath. Even the oh, fact definitely that heard that. That's what happens. That's what happens when you're a glory hunting <laughs> Londoner supporting Man United. You get London places mixed up with the name of your club. <laughs> so that is null point on that one. Charles, Spurs play at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Before that, they played at White Hart Lane. This was a home match for Spurs. Uh, Shite shi- shi- Hart Lane is actually pronounced. You're so better than that, Charles. <laughs> you're better than that. This that is not going to get that is not going to get my sixth sebum of the day. Um, I think it's called three point lane, isn't it? Daggis, don't encourage it. Um, <laughs> I'm swerving into the skid. What was the name of the Spurs stadium in that first match between Spurs and Manchester United? Oh. That one will draw in the FA Cup, and that is a question oh. for Charles, who I I absolutely don't this, Charles, expect him to so get. So I can pretend that I also knew it. <laughs> yeah, Daggis, Daggis. Desperately praying that I know it. Looking, <laughs> so yeah, oh, yeah, oh, well done. You got just, that. Yeah. Oh. just say something. I'll say no, wrong, and then I'll mysteriously lose connection. Uh, no, I mean I'm absolutely clueless. Do you want to have a stab? I do not. Thank you for the offer. I, I can give you a clue. 
Yeah, it might I'll help you. So obviously our most famous stadium, White Hart Lane, is named after, well, the road that it is just off and mm-hmm. has a very famous station there. One of the other main stations near Spurs shares its name with this I, stadium. I think I know it now. Go on. If I'm not mistaken, it's the station I go into on my way to Spurs and it's Northumberland Park. Correct. Well done. Yes. That was a big clue, though. That was a big clue. You could have gone with Seven Sisters. You could have gone with... Uh, mm. Doesn't make it sound like so. a football stadium, though, does it? It doesn't sound yeah. like a football stadium, but it was. Yeah. And I'm going to give you the point for that because, you know oh, what? Well, thank you. I'm not always going to be such a horrible person to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're so, listening to this just, and it's Thursday or Friday and I missed releasing it before the West Ham game, I have to apologise. I've spent the last six hours editing out C-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and Elio is just little subtle just pauses to make you think he's going to see but they're not <laughs> even though Dags took his point and Charles didn't one final question just a little see if Charles can draw a level on it or if Dags can actually get one of the questions in his favour today um, <laughs> what year was this match played in it's the first ever match between Spurs and Manchester United when would it have been the one will draw in the FA Cup Hmm. Oh, should, should we both write down the year and see who's Ooh, like right? Since neither of us are going to know it. <laughs> educated guess coming up. Poorly educated, but educated nonetheless. Um, I have no idea when Man United were founded, by the way. So don't worry. I guess neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> 1992, wasn't it? <laughs> the class of. Okay. Just written an answer and then scribbled it out and then let's, written it again because I don't know. I don't know why I care. Let's see both your answers. No. Could be right. So we've got a 1902. We've got an 1895. <laughs> the correct answer is 1899. So Ooh. 1902. Dag oh, wow. is just about that was right. so close. By a year. That was very close. That was that was very close. Um, I, I'm not upset with either of them, I guess. Is that no, I no, we've done really well. We we did well. We did well. So. Charles has resoundingly won Challenge Elio this week. Resoundingly. Resoundingly. By by how many points is his resounding victory? (laughs) (laughs) 2-1. I mean, a win's a win, right? A win. Sounds like there were a few dodgy VAR calls, a couple of rebounds. With the exception of the 50-50 who played more for who parts, you can't have either of you been expected to get answers to anything I asked. And usually I'm very fair with my questions, but today I just thought, you know what? Let's put the cat amongst the pigeons and be a cunt. You know what? <laughs> I am gracious in defeat. I've had many years as a Spurs fan becoming so. Charles is still new to this whole losing thing, so we're going to give him some time to ease in. But well done, Charles. Very well done. And I'm secretly quite glad that you won, given that you're such a huge fan of Challenge Elio. So, uh, so thanks for taking part and congratulations. Before I wrap things up, uh, Charles, how have you found your first Plus Dave experience? You've definitely coloured the language in a little bit. But I pre-warned you. Yeah, I... You asked me to come on. I said, as long as I'm allowed to say come on, I'll come on. So, this is why yeah. it's taken 41 episodes for, for me to extend you that particular invitation. But it's been a pleasure, nonetheless. It has been a pleasure. How do you see the rest of the season going for Spurs? Where are we going to finish? We've asked everyone so far. We're going to write it all down and see who looks silly at the end of the season. Well, so I predicted my top six, I think, with, with one of my brothers the other day. And upsettingly, I didn't even say Manchester United <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> in, in that. Um, but I predicted Tottenham to finish second. Wow, well, that's... I don't think any of us have done that. I think the highest we went was third, yeah, and that well, was Elio. 
Well, we hope you're right. It was it was very early in the season, and I just fancied Chelsea to be terrible. Mm. And you're standing so, by that. And I couldn't see anyone else. Uh, I'm, I'm wavering, but I've gone with it now. It's all written down somewhere. So. Well, we've definitely started well enough. In fact, this is our best start in how long, Elio? Can you tell me? This is that part where I miss doing Challenge Elio, so I have to throw in a question. When was the last time we started as well as we have this year? 13 years ago under Harry Redknapp. Did you see a tweet about that, or is that just readily available information in your mind? They said it on that the day. Fair enough. Fair enough. You still had to remember it. Indeed it was, and we won our first four games. So, yeah, pretty impressive run. And most importantly of all, Davidson Sanchez is the best defender in the league because we've got nine consecutive hours with him on the pitch without team scoring. So as long as he stays in the team, I don't doubt that we can finish second or, or maybe even higher. But Elio, just to have the last word, I mean, how are you feeling about about the next few games and the rest of the season now that we've seen our best start for 13 years? Well, feeling good about the season. I think we'll get Champions League this season. I don't think we'll win the title, but I do think we'll pick up a trophy. And I, despite sort of jokes earlier and a bit of ungratefulness, considering present company of people not in that competition, I am very excited about (laughs) getting back into some Champions League football. Fantastic. As are all of us, including Charles, who went to check who Man United got in the draw the other day. So we've got that to look forward to. We will bring you our incisive analysis of the Champions League games when they come. Before that, we will have the West Ham and the Fulham games to look back on. And we look forward to welcoming as many of you as possible back next week. So until then, stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you soon. 